something that we think is really important as a company is remunerating people. And as it turns out, if you are very open and transparent and you tell people, this is what we're looking to achieve, this is the project, and we're going to pay you market rate for this, people are really keen to engage and they're happy with the mission and they're also being recognized for their talent and work, yeah. which I think a lot of times gets overlooked in higher mm -hmm. education. You know, we, we take it for granted that someone is a good teacher. That's actually a really incredible skill to have and not everyone has it. So people should be recognized for that. The Digital to Learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning. Our mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones, sharing evidence-based strategies for digital teaching and learning. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Thank you for joining us. And now, the Digital to Learn podcast. Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. I'm Tiffany Snyder, and I'm here with my co-host, Brad Garner. Hey, Brad. Hi, Tiffany. Oh, no. <laughs> I've accidentally started a new trend that I'm, I'm not a fan of. Hey, we, how you doing? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a little bit better. The energy I needed there. We love it when our former guests recommend new guests. And that's really what happened here. And it's exciting for us to welcome to the show today, Katherine Jackson. Katherine Jackson is the CEO of ProPrep, an ed tech company with operations in the UK, US, and Israel, providing high quality digital learning resources for STEM students. The company's newly launched higher education platform, Boost by ProPrep, combines quality video tutorials and assessment questions with flexible, personalized learning technology to provide scaffolding resources for STEM students. Prior to joining ProPrep, Catherine led Sage Publishing International for many years and has extensive experience of digital publishing and digital transformation in higher education. In her early career, she led the Digital Consumer Education Division of Dorling Kindersley, a subsidiary of Pearson, and developed digital publishing strategy for Reuters PLC. She holds a bachelor's degree from Durham University, an MBA from Henley Management College, and has a background of M&A and consultancy. Catherine is passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion and enabling individuals to overcome barriers to success. She serves as a trustee on the board of a UK national disability charity and is a governor of a London secondary school. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Tiffany. Hi, Brad. And Hi, Catherine Ryan, who we have agreed that we can call Kate, so it's not too confusing to have the two Catherines. Kate is VP of Product and Business Development for Boost, ProPrep's newly launched higher education platform. Before joining the ProPrep team, Kate spent 11 years at Sage Publishing, working her way up from a two-work work experience opportunity to the head of licensing and business development. She holds a BA in English, BS in political science, MA in publishing from UCL, and is currently halfway through her executive MBA program at said business school in Oxford. She lives in Hertford with her fiance, Stephen, and grumpy cavalier spaniel, Isabel. So welcome, Kate. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Tiffany and Brad. Yeah. Well, you heard a little bit about our guests in the bio, but Brad's back on developing the get to know you questions. And I'm sorry to all of our listeners who have had to listen to my get to know you questions been having for the past six or eight months. Mine are much more boring than Brad's. So you're welcome. We've put him back in charge. <laughs> Take it away, Brad. Okay, let's get started. One of the things we do for our guests is we award them a pet parrot. So you'll each be receiving <laughs> a box in the mail with a parrot. Once you take the parrot out of the box, assuming it's still alive, what would you teach it to say? I 
think it's just good to be happy in life. So I guess I'd say something like keep smiling. Oh, good, 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 good. That's a good one. It's much more philosophical than mine. I would probably teach my parrot to say, put your phone down, because at any point in the house, I would definitely be looking at a screen. <laughs> oh, that's I a good that. one. Both of them are like behavior modification. I love that. That's it. I can even hear it in my head. Put your phone down. Smile. Put your phone down. <laughs> yeah. All right. What is one band or musician that you would love to party with? Oh, so that's a really good question. The funny thing is, I think I actually know how Catherine is going to answer this. So <laughs> mine would be Fleetwood Mac, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fleetwood Mac, very good, very good. Because I think, you know, even now they can probably out party me any day of the week. I, my party <laughs> skills are pretty pathetic. <laughs> you agree with that or you have a different uh, Well, I would love Fleetwood Mac as well. But I think what Kate is referring to is my ABBA fetish. So um, oh, I knew oh. you were going to say ABBA. I had the great privilege of being at the ABBA Voyage show last weekend, which is a, a sort of a whole event in London that's going on. It goes on every night and they're there as avatars every single night. And I was there with a group of friends. So I feel I have parted with Abba. Yeah, you have. Fun. I have. It was good. Check, yeah, check mark. The Fleetwood Mac reference makes me laugh in the sense my mother's family, the last name is Fleetwood. They're all Fleetwoods. And one of my uncles with the last name Fleetwood started a computer technician company and needed a name. And when Apple computers were taking off. And so I thought, <laughs> My 12-year-old self was brilliant and Fleetwood Mac, Fleetwood Mac, you know, copyright wasn't a thing. Your trademarks weren't a thing. I just thought this is perfect. It makes so much sense. And he said, no, <laughs> I, it, it to the band. it's the uh, best form of flattery, isn't it? <laughs> Imitation. I suppose. Wow. I'm just blown away by those answers. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you can invent a holiday, what would it be? Oh. oh, gosh. Well, for me, I mean, one thing, if we're sort of thinking like bucket lists or things that you, you just would love to do and haven't got around to yet, I have a thing about the Antarctic and I would love to oh. recreate Shackleton's journey, you know, that failed famous journey in the Antarctic where they got stuck on the ice flows and then they had to get in their small boats and then they had to go across mountains to get back <laughs> to the whaling station. So but it wouldn't really be a holiday. It would be adventure, but I would love to, to get down there someday. So this is fun for me. Can I ask, do you mean holiday in the American sense or holiday in the British sense? Ah. Whichever you like. Whichever you like. Okay. Ah, good point, Kate. Yeah, I wasn't sure when you asked it initially. So <laughs> I am desperate to go to Machu Picchu. I really want to go explore because I've actually never visited South America. So yeah. I've never been on that continent. I've done a lot of traveling in the last decade or so for work and for personal, but I've never had a chance to go there. So that would be my my dream holiday. Um, in terms of a national holiday, I really do think that we need just more holidays for dogs. I just, there are just never <laughs> enough holidays for dogs. And that's my Cavalier Isabel would feel very strongly about that too. <laughs> <laughs> so that would that be a generic holiday for all dogs or would you have one for spaniels for example i think we should have a couple i think we should have national spaniel day we can do national labrador day alsatian day just everyone should be included okay Catherine, do you have a dog i do not i do not <laughs> i'm worried about all the cat people with this 
that's true i was quite divisive wasn't i (laughs) exactly it's not a very but anyway but i do get to see kate's dog sometimes in the office which is very wonderful it was a little bit controversial and now it's coming out in this dog day that's it that's it my only point of controversy (laughs) well we got one more one more getting to your question and that is if you could connect with any author what author would you choose I know immediately uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I am a big fan of the Revisionist History podcast and have read all of his books. And I just think he's a fascinating person. He's brilliant. Brilliant. So I think I would go for Donna Tartt because she is just the most fantastic author. And she takes 12 years, I think, around. And it's 12 years since she wrote The Goldfinch. So I think. It would be a great time to connect up with her and see what's coming. I hope there's Something's something on coming. The horizon. I hope there's something coming. Yeah. Very good. Excellent. Excellent answers. So now we're going to get serious for just a few minutes. Our first question for you has to do with digital transformation. Mm-hmm. We hear that term a lot. To what extent do you see higher education embracing that concept? Well, if I sort of stick to digital transformation in teaching and learning, which is what we're yeah. really focused on in our company, I think it really varies from institution to institution, from state to state, from country to country, as we're looking globally and talking to lots of different institutions. But I think generally universities and colleges are really embracing digital. They know that students now expect a high quality digital experience as well as a fantastic on-campus experience. And they know that what the university needs to offer students is really changing. So when we talk to people, what I really feel is that it's no longer something that the higher education community are just talking about and thinking like in the future is something that people are really actively engaged in. The US, I have to say, is far more advanced than the UK. I hope no one would mind me saying that. Uh, There's been a lot more investment in digital courses and resources more work using technology to automate processes, make the teaching and learning experience more engaging and effective. But I think a lot of the innovation is centered around efficiency in processes, for example, proctoring, assessment setting, marking, that kind of thing. And it's less on truly innovative, sort of born digital content. The other thing I'd say, I think, Kate, you would join in on this, is that we still see that faculty need help in engaging with technology. During COVID, they were given such a lot of responsibility for providing a digital experience, and it wasn't always with the support and resources that they've needed. So it has been difficult and has created some understandable resistance to change, I think. Mm-hmm. But the way I see it, it's really important to focus on the need. What is the problem you're trying to solve and how can digital transformation help? Mm-hmm. And once you do that, that helps to prioritize what we're doing and makes things fit for purpose rather than kind of this transformation for its sake. Great way to look at it. Thank you. You know, the larger point here is that organizational change of any kind, especially when you're working at an institutional level, these are massive organizations, is going to take 
a lot of time and a lot of consistency and a lot of stakeholder management. And I can only imagine the amount of work and energy that's going into this. But what you do see, especially when you go to the conferences or you go on campus, when we talk to our customers and our development partners, is that they're putting a huge amount of investment and energy into that activity. And at the end of the day, it's just a matter of taking the time, which is something that unfortunately most administrators and most faculty are really poor of is time and resource. So I think that there's a lot that the private sector can do in this regard. And that's what we're trying to do to help support a shift, which isn't as painful. Mm. Mm -hmm. And higher education is not known for embracing change at a very fast rate. So you're correct. And there will be huge differences across institutions, the pace at which they move forward. But it will, for, for all of them, it will be slow. Yeah. Yeah. And you do see a lot of cutting edge work being done. I mean, a number of institutions have moved almost entirely online, flipped classroom models, and then they're using in-class time more of a tutorial or an engagement session. So there are some really cutting edge things happening, but I think what you're seeing is a lot of variation and sporadic implementation. Even within one institution or, you know, from program to program or course to course or faculty member to faculty member. So the student experience is very different too. Absolutely. Yeah. This is a big one. I think this is close to your heart and to your work, but tell us about Boost by Pro Prep. Okay, I'll give that a shot. It's quite hard to describe in sort of audio form without being able to give everyone the visuals, but just to give you a little background on who we are, we're a relatively young ed tech company, and we've identified that need to help STEM faculty and students with computational fluency, so as a, to enable them to succeed with their STEM studies. So our platform combines powerful personalized learning technology and short bite-sized video tutorials, question practice, video explanations of answers to maths questions. I don't want this to sound like an infomercial, so stop me with any questions or if you can't kind of visualize what I'm trying to say. But we cover a range of maths resources from foundational prerequisite general maths, such as college algebra, to advanced calculus three. And we're also launching collections covering chemistry, biology, physics, and we're curating our materials by discipline. So we've got like maths for engineering, math for business, math for econ. So there's a lot of really fabulous content on our platform. It can be integrated with the institution's LMS, and it's really useful for faculty to adapt to their needs. We've sort of set it up so they can add their own content if they want to, and they can combine our Boost by ProPrep resources into a course that meets their requirements so they can tailor it to their own needs. The platform also allows tracking of student progress for both the institution and the student, and it can be integrated into a grade book if that's required. So it has kind of multiple use cases. It's simple, intuitive, plug and play with a playlist of courses and then also individual resources. So that allows the flexibility to cover these multiple uses from a library database to support in a tutor center or integrated into a course in a flipped classroom or blended learning style. Did that create a picture of what it might look like in your heads? It does just about everything. Yeah. 
<laughs> it makes the tea as well, of course. <laughs> The idea is that we wanted to build something that was flexible, that could meet these scaffolding needs across the institution. So mm -hmm. when we created the technology and the feature sets, it was all about how can we build this so that as many people can use it as possible, but it's not so over-engineered that it's not quick, easy, effective. Mm -hmm. So the idea is we have individual resources and you can think of those like songs on Spotify. And then we've got courses or playlists that you can then edit because our videos are short and we've got theory and exercise. You can stack those into a pedagogy or you can use our pre-created playlists. So we tried to really piggyback off this idea of let's not reinvent the wheel. You don't need to re-record a video on sequences, for example, in Calc 2, but what do you need which is relevant to your students? And can you move these videos around and the multiple choice questions to make it suitable for your needs? So when you say short videos, what do you classify as short? Ah, uh, that's the million dollar question. So our goal is to keep everything around or at least under 12 minutes. Okay. We do have longer videos than that, particularly on the theory side for some of the more involved concepts and higher level maths. But in terms of our videos, we really do aim to not go beyond that 12 to 15 minute gap at the most. Okay. Okay. Good. I just love the metaphor of, you know, the music. I think it's a relevant metaphor. It makes sense. It's a really helpful way of explaining that probably going deep in the weeds here, but just out of curiosity, I haven't seen the videos. So trying to visualize that, what is it like locating the talent and shooting the talent for the videos? Are they in-house people? Do you contract folks? Is it difficult to find someone that can speak on these and speak on them in an engaging way on camera? So we're trying to create the experience of the tutor by your side. That's okay. what our videos curate. So actually we don't have talking heads. It's much more of a hand working through the calculations. It's not actually a hand, but a, a pen working through <laughs> the calculations with the student setting out and explaining it. So it's really focusing on the calculations and the video rather than being distracted by looking at a person and a tutor. Yeah. And that was a sort of very deliberate decision that we made yeah. in order to provide that sort of side-by-side -side tutoring experience. And, and it seems to work. I mean, people mm -hmm. really yeah. seem to respond to them. And in, in terms of sourcing creators for the content, we've actually had a great amount of luck creating a network of experienced tutors and faculty and teachers, people who specialize in teaching and learning across their different subject areas who are passionate about it. I think something that we think is really important as a company is remunerating people. And as it turns out, if if you are very open and transparent and you tell people, this is what we're looking to achieve. This is the project and we're going to pay you market rate for this. People are really keen to engage and they're happy with the mission. And they're also being recognized for their talent and work, yeah. which I think a lot of times gets overlooked in mm -hmm. higher education. You know, we, we take it for granted that someone is a good teacher. That's actually a really incredible skill to have and not everyone has it. So people should be recognized for that. Very good. Awesome. And yeah, with STEM, it does make sense. You would focus on the content and have that tutor-like experience. And then the faculty member that's teaching a course and potentially using these videos can really focus on the relationship, not get too, you know, bogged down in the in the content, but they can add that, that real human relationship element to it. So I love that. Exactly. And anyone listening who is a good communicator and are passionate about teaching, do feel free to get in touch because we are yeah. always looking for, for new people to work with. We're good. 
I, I recommend Tiffany. <laughs> Stem, do you know me at all? <laughs> well, it's been a joy hearing from Katherine Jackson and Kate Ryan, but we're going to pause here and we'll be back next week with a new episode, part two with the same guests. So join us then. Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future. Always keep learning.